You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, Cardinal fans. I'm Ozzie Smith. Smith, corks one into right down the line. It may go. And you're listening to the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. Here's your host, Brett McMillan. Well, hello. Welcome to the September 4th edition of the program. My name is Brett McMillan. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Glad to have you. And I think that you'll be glad that you decided to tune in because we have two great conversations for you. Ozzie Smith going one-on-one, first with Matt Carpenter, and then with shortstop Paul DeYoung. They're talking baseball, the 2018 season, salsa, the big turnaround, a myriad of topics covered in both of those conversations. I think that you'll really enjoy them over the next 35 minutes or so. And it's just cool. I mean, these current players open up to Ozzy and kind of drop little nuggets to him as a Hall of Famer that most of us maybe wouldn't be able quite to get out of them. And it's, it's just neat to hear the reverence and respect for Ozzy and the way that uh, they level with him and, and talk ball in a way with him that uh, they can because he is a Hall of Famer that, you know, they just can't with me because I've never played the game professionally. But before we dig into that, do want to remind you not to miss the Cardinals-Dodgers series at Bush Stadium. It's coming up the weekend of September 14th through the 16th. Great giveaways all series long, including a 1928 jersey, 90 years since that 2018 won the National League, the club's second pennant all-time. There'll be a 2013 National League championship ring. It's a mystery ring. You won't find out what player you get until you open the box. I have seen those. They are amazingly cool. In fact, Ozzy said uh, it looks just like the one that he got as an alumni. They get they get rings every time we win a pennant or a World Series. He said it looks like the real deal. And then the third one is a Mark McGuire bobblehead holding up that fist in the air, reminiscent of when he hit those historic runs back in, or home runs rather, back in 1998. It is three awesome giveaways again, September 14th through 16th. Dodgers in town, get your tickets at cardinals.com slash promotions. I don't have to tell you that it's been an extraordinary turnaround for Matt Carpenter. It has uh, been Pujols-esque to me, the way that he's been locked in and delivered in big spots here in the second half of the season. The last guy I can really remember doing that consistently over the course of a couple of months every time he came up in a big spot and and delivering is is Pujols Albert Pujols when he was here and Matt Carpenter has been on that kind of clip for much of the second half of 2018 at least that's how it's felt to me he did hit uh, 155 to open up the season in the first 25 games and then things really began turning in June just had that crazy July which really has elevated this thing to a new level and at this point because of the way he's hitting I think that he uh, he's in the NL MVP discussion, I mean, firmly in the middle of it here in 2018. Ozzie and Carpenter talk about hitting. They talk about the turnaround. They talk about the famous salsa, which has been a dominant storyline here this season. All those and more topics covered right now. Ozzie Smith and the hot-hitting Matt Carpenter on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Matt, how you doing? I'm doing good, Ozzy. Thanks good. for having me. Man. Thanks for being here. First of all, let's talk about leading off. Have you always let off? Never let off in my life until 2013 when uh, manager Mike Matheny came up to me and asked if uh, I'd be uh, ready to do that. And 
I was ready to do that and pretty much been there ever since. What did you, I, I mean, what do you do, what is your thought process as a leadoff hitter? You know, um, one of the big things that I, that I don't even have to think about that just me naturally, the kind of hitter that I am, just fits well in the leadoff spot is seeing a lot of pitches. Um, I've always been that guy. Um, I've always been a guy that goes up there at the plate and, and is trying to have long at bats, very patient, swings at strikes. And that is something that you want out of your leadoff guy for the rest of the guys to be able to share that information after that first at bat of the game, have six pitch at bat, see everything, come in and say, hey, the guy's curveball's doing this, it's doing that. So that's, that's kind of my philosophy about it, is go up there, have a good at bat, see a bunch of pitches, be able to share that with the guys. Yeah. Now, you've been hot, you got hot here, here of late. When you're hot and you're swinging the bat really good, do you ever think about, and, and I'm coming to you from the standpoint of what, what happened when we played, when guys were hot, how they try and move you off the plate, come inside more. What is your thought process? Do you ever think or is there any fear uh, of a guy who throws extremely hard of coming in and Definitely, it's definitely in the back of your mind. I mean, you think about it. I don't think it's near as prevalent today as it was, you know, when you guys played and even before your time. Um, I think it's a little bit of a lost art, but there's certainly guys that still will try to make you uncomfortable, push you off the plate with those fastballs in. And you know, nowadays it seems like you know everybody's throwing 95 plus. So I mean, there's definitely some fear in there, you know. But one thing that you got to do as a hitter. And, and you know as well as I do, you've got to be able to combat that mentally and just stay with your approach and know that, um, you know, if you continue with that to look out over, even though if they run one up and in and back you off, they still want to go back out away. Right. That's where they want to get you out. So uh, to be able to just, you know, have conviction with that mindset, that's what I try to do. Now, when you get in the zone, what, what was it that, that allowed you or what was it that clicked that got you in the zone? You know, it's funny. Um, you know, a lot of times in my career, there's something that you can just look back on and go, oh man, that was it. Um, this year, it's been a little different because um, to me, it, it felt more like a gradual buildup more than anything. You know, I credit that slow start for, to a few reasons. You know, it doesn't really get talked about much, um, but um, we just talked about it a few minutes ago was the fact that I pretty much missed all of spring training. You know, I was hurt, um, just couldn't really get into that, you know, pre-workout mode and, you know, whether people want to Believe it or not, spring training is an important part of your season, getting those kind of first kinks out of the way. And so I missed that. That was a big part of it. The other big part of it was uh, April was, and I, and I think the numbers show, um, just one of the coldest months of baseball I've ever played. Um, and I take it you don't like the cold. I hate the cold. Okay. You know, no batting gloves. It's, it's a bad deal for me. Yeah. Um, and we played, it's, it felt like every game that first month in sub-freezing you know, freezing temperatures. I mean, we had record lows all across the country. There was games canceled. We had two games canceled on Chicago due to weather. So it was ugly, you know, and, and I hit some balls hard and during that time that just, you know, didn't go anywhere because it was cold or were hit right at guys. So, um, you know, it was a rough month for me, but I just continually built on what I felt like I was headed in the right direction. Kind of used April as my spring training and then catapulted from there. Yeah. Now, what is, what is your, uh, explain to us like what your everyday routine is. You know, in, prep, in preparing, you know, most people see us at seven o'clock when the, when the, when the when they say play ball. Yeah. To me, all of the work is done before then. What, what is what is no the doubt. prep like? No doubt. Um, you know, I'm a guy that gets to the field early. Um, I'm usually here sometime between noon and one. Um, I'll go into the weight room. First thing I do is I get get here, get to the gym, do whatever. Um, you know, I have 
uh, weight room workout wise for that day. Is that every day or? That's every day. And but now it's not a lift every day. You know, there's days we'll go in there and it'll just be like an active warm up, stretching, get ready to go to go out and prepare. But I'm going to start my day in the weight room regardless. Um, today, for example, was a, was a workout day. So I went in, got my lift in, um, you know, and, and it's usually two to three times a week where we're actually lifting weights. The rest of the time, it's just getting your body moving before you go out and do that, do any kind of work. So I'll start in the gym. I'm in there from 30 minutes to an hour based off of if I'm lifting or not. And then um, I take that into um, you know, the video room where I'll watch the starting pitcher that I'll face that night for just a quick, a quick kind of overview, um, just to see what he's doing, what he's got. And then I'll go into the batting cage. And from there, my routine, I'll start off the tee, take a few flips, kind of groove my swing from the night before, um, get a good feel for that. That goes into our BP work, take some ground balls at your position, take some BP on the field. And then I come off the field, just enough time to have a little snack, um, some kind of food before the game. Six o'clock hits, I'll go back in the video room. And that's when I really kind of prep um, a little bit more in detail with what the starting pitcher is doing that night, the relievers I might face in the game, more video work, and then take that right into the game. Scouting report guy, did you, you look at the scouting report every day? I do. I, I like it. Um, I feel like I've gotten to a point at, in my career now where I'm able to separate what's too much information and what's valuable information. So I'll look at um, what we're doing defensively, um, scouting report-wise, where I need to play guys um, to give me the best chance to make a play defensively, and then also who I'm facing, um, what they like to throw, what they like to throw to hitters like me, what they like to throw in certain counts, that sort of stuff, and then come up with a game plan for the night. Yeah. Now, you play a lot of, they've had you play a lot of different positions. How does that affect you as a player? You know, um, it doesn't affect me a ton. I will say that it, it's tough to stay sharp um, at defensively when you're moving around. Because, um, you know, you can never really get in a groove at a position. And, you know, people who don't, I mean, you know, you know this, people who maybe never played the game know, don't know this, but you can get in just like you can get hot offensively, you can get hot defensively. You know, you can get in a rhythm defensively. I mean, some guys play their whole career hot defensively like you, <laughs> but, uh, but you can get hot defensively, you can get cold defensively. And, and, and I've, I've gone through stretches of that, haven't bounced around. I, know, I have noticed that the, the times that I've played my best defense um, in my career is when I'm grounded in one spot, one you know, spot. stayed there. And so, um, but as far as like people always wonder, does it affect your hitting? I don't think it has anything to do with hitting. I think I've been able to separate the two, but, um, but yeah. Yeah. All right. We won't get to it. Salsa. <laughs> Tell us about, give us a story about salsa. What, yeah. it, what is the, I haven't, I haven't heard the whole, whole story about okay. the salsa, so give me the, give me the full story. So basically, here's how it started. I'd, I'd been making salsa for probably six or seven years now. I, I, Your own salsa, so, you talking spicy sauce, salsa. My, my own salsa. I prefer, I prefer it hot, so when I'm cooking it for myself, I get it hot. When I'm okay. making it for others, I'll, I'll tone it down some because not everybody likes it hot. But I've been doing it for six or seven years. What is it with you infielders here, man? Everybody cook. I don't know. I don't but know. you guys aren't overweight. <laughs> Maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. could be it. Uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, it's something I've always done. Um, I've been into it. My, my, uh, my dad is also into it. My brother's into it. We've been cooking sauce for a while. And uh, how this thing kind of really took off was... Um, Adam Wainwright, as some of us know, is, is, a, is a huge gardener. He's got a huge garden in his home back in Georgia. He's got a big garden here in St. Louis. And he's really into it. He's good at it. He knows what he's doing. So this year during spring training, I went up to him and I said, you know, 
if this, I hope this isn't the last year I play with you, but if it is, I want to, I want you to teach me everything you know about gardening. Um, Cause I'm into it, I'm into it as well, but I don't know, I don't know much. So um, that conversation started to grow and we started talking more and more about it. And anyway, he, long story short, he goes on the DL this year. And while I went on the road in May, I came back from a road trip and Adam had came over to my house secretly without telling me, planted a garden in my backyard. Um, it's got everything in there. Big, nice garden. So, uh, I mean, t tell us what's in the garden. We got tomatoes, jalapenos, um, all the ingredients for salsa. Um, he's put um, zucchini, pickles, not pickles, cucumbers. You turn them into pickles. Um, uh, strawberries, uh, all kinds of tomatoes, bell peppers. I mean, literally, if you can think of it vegetable-wise, it's out there. And uh, he did it all, and it's... It turned out great, and it just so happened that as I got this garden, first thing that I wanted to do, one of the things I wanted to create was make salsa. It just so happened that the timing of this, the salsa, the garden, was the same time that I started to swing the bat really well. Um, I brought a, a jar of this salsa on the road in Chicago, and that's when I had the historic game, and I posted it on social media. People went crazy out of it. I woke up the next day and was like, should I eat it again? What do you guys think? Everybody was on board about eating it again. Had another good game. And superstitious. <laughs> superstitious. Yeah, okay. So, so it just kind of took off from there. And now um, teammates are eating it. We're starting to win. We've gotten on a roll. I think we've had the best record in the National League um, in the second half. And it's got to be the salsa. Got to be the salsa, as the, as the shirt says. Now, do all the guys wear it? It's got to be Everybody's got one. You know, we all wear them. And, um, yeah, it's – it's. Uh, do, do you sell it as a – is it a family business? This is not. So this this is a uh, – oh, you're talking about the salsa. Yeah, the salsa. The salsa, I uh, I have not sold it. Um, a lot of people are, are asking, asking for it, but yeah. uh, maybe one day. Not yet. Yeah, well, can I have this? That's your jar. That's oh, your jar. Yeah. Oh, right. That's oh, for yeah. you. I get to chase the salsa. It's maybe drop a stroke down. Drop a stroke, yeah. Stroke. yeah I, maybe I can putt better. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, – what is what, what has been the change with this team? We've seen the we've we've seen the change. Same personnel, but we've seen a change. What 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 has it been? What, what's the key? You know, I I can uh, credit it to a few things. I think that um, one of the big things is obviously um, you know Mike Schilt has came into a tough situation. Um, anytime you lose a manager in a mid-year, it's just a, it's a it's an awkward tough situation to step into, and. Um, you know, obviously Mike Matheny did a great job here for a long time and Schultes came in and, and just found a way to reignite kind of, um, you know, the energy in a season that was kind of, we were struggling, you know, and, um, and he stepped into an uncomfortable situation. He's done a great job of it. That's one of the, that's one of the big reasons. The other big reason is what you're seeing is in the youth movement um, here in St. Louis, some of our younger players stepping up in a big way. Um, playing with a ton of energy. I mean, guys like Harrison Bader, who are so exciting to watch, bringing so much energy to the ballpark every day. That's been a big reason. And then um, I think the other big reason um, is for whatever reason, and we talked about it all year, but we felt like this team had the ability to go on a run, and now we're seeing it. Um, you know, at that time has come. So I think you factor all those things into it. I think that's why you're seeing it. Yeah. What are, your, what are some of your goals for the remainder of the season? What, what would you like to see yourself accomplish that you have not to this point? Um, most of my, you know, for me personally, um, I usually don't set out um, a ton of individual goals. Um, most of my things that, that I'm focused on are more team related. You know, obviously, 
it's left a really sour taste in my mouth the last two seasons, um, not being playing in October. I mean, you get you get so spoiled here um, in this uniform, wearing the birds on the bat, having a chance to play every year in October, and to miss that the last two seasons, it's really, really grinding on me. Um, it's grinding on a lot of our guys. It's grinding on our veteran players, especially guys like myself and Yachty and Wayno. So, um, more number one, more important number one thing is is to find a way to get back to October, and I think that. Uh, I think that um, we're, we're headed there, we're headed in the right direction, so um, that's my sole focus. Uh, well, I want to thank you for visiting with us. Uh, it's always great watching you play and continue success. Thanks, I appreciate it. Back in our Bush Stadium Press Box studios, special thanks to Matt Carpenter. Fun to get to hear him talk about his season with the great Ozzie Smith. Paul Young coming up in just a minute. Of course, he's the shortstop nowadays here in St. Louis, but back in the 1980s, Ozzie was wowing as the Wizard of Oz at short, and we're going to hearken back to that decade with 80s night at the ballpark. That is slated for Friday, September the 14th. With the purchase of a special theme ticket, fans receive an exclusive 80s theme Cardinals dugout jacket. Come early for a rad pregame concert by that 80s band on the Alltech Lansing stage. Again, that is Friday, September the 14th. Tickets available right this moment at cardinals.com slash theme. Alrighty, shortstop to shortstop here. The two talking about Paul's health. Of course, he missed right around six weeks with a broken hand. Uh, got hit in the hand in an at-bat. I believe it was a Sunday night game in mid-May took another at-bat, and then eventually they, they pulled him out of the game, and x-rays showed that he did indeed have a, a broken hand and missed some time with that. Got back into things, and uh, really has been uh, clipping along here in the second half and trying to prove himself in his sophomore season. I think he's done a very nice job of that. They talk hitting. They talk defense. Two guys that, uh, well, they can be authorities on shortstop because they played it in the big leagues, one of them in the Hall of Fame since 2002. That is Ozzie Smith and Paul DeYoung one-on-one right now on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Paul, how you doing? Good to see you, Oz. All right. Great great to see you back. Yeah, it's good to be back. Let's get right to, the, right to it. How's your health? How's your hand? My hand's doing great. You know, I've I feel like physically I've been good since I came back, but it's been more of an adjustment for me to come back mentally and, and um, you know, just trying to stay within myself, not trying to do too much, but lately I think I've been getting back in the swing of things. During this time off, what you, would you do? I mean, what kind of thing, things did you do? I was just working on my rehab uh, here in St. Louis. I was able to start doing baseball activities relatively quickly, so, you know, I kept my conditioning and my workouts up and, uh, uh, infield work with Cheo, and those are the things that, that seemed worse than playing. I, I'd rather be on the field than uh, grinding in rehab. Now, do you are you a player that spends a lot of time uh, looking at video and that stuff? I know, you know, today there's a lot more video and stuff available for players to look at. Do you, you take advantage of that? Yeah, I think lately with our new system, we've been we've been looking at relievers' videos in the dugout. You know, on those iPads we have right before we go up and face them. I know I've even looked on deck um, at the guy's video right before I face him. But overall, I just try to look at pitchers. I don't necessarily look at myself as much. I like to look at you know the pitcher's movement, what he likes to, what pitches he's got, um, and how he uses them and. And that's the kind of information I like to know when I go up to the plate. 
Yeah. Uh, from the injury, has that bothered you any from a defensive standpoint? I don't think uh, it's bothered me from a defensive standpoint at all. Um, you know, I, I think a broken hand is about as minor of an injury as you can go through. Um, you know, bone heals fairly quickly, and it also heals stronger than before. So, for me, having just a broken bone, that's nothing. No, you know now, Illinois State, right? Um, rocket scientists, <laughs> nuclear physicists. Uh, what in in back in our day, what they would say is that you're. A, what we call a college boy, mm -hmm. you know, uh, do you get, do they give you a hard time about that? Yeah, I mean, it's okay because, you know, I worked hard for my biochemistry degree and it's kind of funny to take a at-bat here in Bush Stadium and see up on the Jumbotron, the, the little, whatever you call that, little animation of me with the, the chem lab, I think that's pretty sweet. I mean, um, you know, I, I always enjoyed my time at in college, whether it was academics and sports, but to me, my true identity is, is a baseball player, and here I am in the big leagues, and, you know, that's something that um, I think supersedes my rocket chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have, uh, you found any real good reason to, or, or any good place that uh, that would come in handy, a biochemical degree? I mean, not many baseball players have biochemical degrees, so... Uh -huh. Where would that fit into th the scope of things? Um, I'm not sure. I, I was thinking maybe personal development as far as, you know, diet and exercise and the way your body relates uh, to the outside world or how you maximize your own body. I, I think that's uh, an important thing for players to know just because we rely so much on our physical health that, you know, that's something that's important you got to watch out for. So maybe there's something in, in my own personal health I can, I can do better. Oh, okay. Do you have any um, superstitions? Not really. I don't really believe in superstition. I believe in routine and, um, you know, your preparation. But superstition to me makes it seem like it's out of your own hands when I like to believe that I'm in control of more than I, more than I think. Yeah. You guys have had a, a, quite a turnaround here um, of late. Uh, with the Cardinal made some changes as far as management is concerned. Mike Schilt. Tell me about Mike Schilt. Mike Schilt, I had him just uh, throughout the organization, just being in spring training, just kind of get to know him. And last year, I uh, had him on as the bench coach. And uh, actually, no, this year as the bench coach to start, sorry. But Schilte is a guy that's been with this organization forever. A lot of people know him, a lot of people have played for him. But I think what people like most about him is the way he communicates, um, the energy he brings every day. Uh, the lack of ego, he shows up to the park uh, knowing how hard this game is, but not running from the challenge. He's ready to accept these challenges in stride, and um, you know I think our our record has shown that we like playing for him. Yeah. Um, let's talk about your first walk-off. <laughs> you, you finally got your first walk-off on the 13th of August. Uh -huh. how, what was that like? Well, it was a wild game. You know, we've been streaking, and... You know, we had a couple run lead in the ninth and you know things didn't go our way so they ended up tying the game and I knew I was leading off the inning so you know they scored a couple and I just came into the dugout and thought it was like any other at bat and um, it was against Coda Glover he was throwing those cutters up and away and kind of a yank fastball up and away he has decent stuff so you know I was trying to be really selective and I got to the 3-1 count and he, he gave me a 96 right down the middle and I was ready for it and I don't know. It was just one of those moments that I was I was so fired up. It was 
earlier in the game, Carpenter hit the three-run bomb to go ahead in the eighth. I mean, it was just a back-and-forth game. So for us to win that and for me to be, you know, instrumental, that was just something I'll never forget. So do they do do does the team feed off of of you said Carpenter hit the three-run homer? Mm -hmm. Does the team feed off of that? I think so, definitely. I mean. Watching Carp all year, he's he's brought everyone else up with him, especially lately. So uh, having those types of moments, I think, really fires up our team. And um, for me personally, I, I I wasn't feeling like we were going to lose that game. I knew we were going to win that game. I just didn't know how. Um, so it's more like a calmness feeling that we all get in there and we know we can do the job and we know we're pulling for each other and that we can pick each other up when we're down. Okay, what, what are the goals for the rest of the season? Keep winning series. I think if we just focus on, um, you know, playing our game and and um, winning series over and over, I think the rest results will take care of themselves. Day to day, just taking care of today. Mm -hmm. and th is that something that Mike Schilt uh, does? He stress taking care of today. Definitely. I think one of the big changes with Schilty is that we have hitters meetings every day, and we talk about what happened the day before, and we talk about how to win today. So. Um, today we're going to have a meeting. We're going to talk about starting pitcher and, and what kind of uh, weaknesses they have that we can exploit, and we're going to talk about how to win today. Biochemists, chef. <laughs> you like cooking too. I like cooking. Now, I, I, I did you say that? I love to cook too. So it must be a shortstop thing that uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, very therapeutic. Yeah. Very therapeutic. I think. Uh, cooking for myself is one of those things I enjoy just because playing in season we have people cook for us all the time you know that and when you get a chance to make your own meal I feel like you get some satisfaction and the food tastes better you get better nourishment I, I just think it's better for your spirit so um, I love cooking I, I learned how to cook when I was in middle school and maybe even no, probably around middle school middle school just helping out around you, the house what do you enjoy cooking what are, what are your I like making your special, specialties healthy food but I know a couple recipes my dad taught me like uh, steak au poivre which has that peppercorn cream sauce and um, you make and, the cream sauce too uh -huh. yeah you, you reduce the cream and then you you flambe the cognac after you cook the steaks and um, you know you toss the so you're talking in gourmet it. yeah, yeah I, I can whip it up uh, you know, I'm, I don't necessarily get too crazy with the recipes. I like the classics, but mm -hmm. I also like improvising as well with whatever I have in, in the fridge and the pantry. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Now, getting back to baseball, you're, you're behind guys. You're mentioned in the same um, sentence with guys like A-Rod and Nomar Garcia-Parra's shortstops hitting home runs. Do you look at yourself as a power hitter? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think my identity is going to be a doubles and home runs guy, but I also been working. I'm trying to be a guy that can hit for average too. You know, I think I'm I'm a guy that can have both hit tools, and uh, for me, that's about managing the strike zone and and understanding what pitches I'm looking for. Lately, I think I've been doing a lot better job of working at bats and and getting those mistake pitches that I can drive. And um, you know, to me, I think I have a lot more development. Uh, left to go as a hitter, and, and to me that's exciting. Does that include like hitting or using the whole field? Yeah, for sure. And I think last year I did a better job of using the whole field. I don't think I have a right center home run this year. Um, last year I had quite a few, so 
to me, uh, I still think I, I have some adjustments to be made, but I think naturally I have the ability to, to use the whole field with power. Why is that? Do you think that, that because of the way they were pitching you, that, 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 that forced you to pull the ball a little bit more? Yeah, I think lately guys have been throwing a lot more fastballs inside, and um, you know that gets me, that gets me thinking pull, and then, and then the, uh, you know, the off-speed on top of that is going to make you think pull, because especially if it's... Uh, well, my off-speed approach in general is pull because if I'm staying on the fastball to right center, then I'm going to pull the off-speed pitches. But, yeah, I think guys have been attacking me more inside with fastballs as opposed to last year it was more away and I was able to kind of go with it. So still trying to look away and react in, but, you know, it doesn't always work that way. So now, do you hit off the fastball or do you hit off breaking pitch? I usually have my timing based off the fastball. There have been times this year where I felt like I've been in between, and that's never a good spot to be in. So um, Carp has gave me some good advice back in Pittsburgh um, before that Miami road trip and said, hey, you look like you're in between these next five at-bats. Just try to stay on the fastball and adjust to the off-speed. And you know, I had some success very soon after that. So um, I think in general, a good approach is to always be ready to hit the fastball through the middle of the field. So it sounds like that uh, second year is, as they say, is that, that learning year mm -hmm. where you really have to figure out what type of hitter, what type of player you're going to be. Seriously. Uh, last year, I, I felt like I was almost just blacked out the whole season. I, I just went out there and played and really uh, think about too much of what I was doing or what they were doing to me. And this year, I have a lot more time to think. So it's, it could be good and bad, but also I feel like I'm learning a lot by myself. Let's talk about the position of shortstop, what makes a good shortstop, in your opinion? I think you have to have you know, physical abilities like good hands and a good throwing arm, but also I think you have to have instincts. You have to be able to anticipate uh, where the ball is going to be hit and uh, you know, positioning yourself in order to make plays. Yeah, now you, you also played, before you became a shortstop, you were a third baseman? Mm -hmm. I always consider myself a natural shortstop growing up. Uh, I always played the shortstop position until I got to college, and then they moved me around a little bit. But um, to me, I think I had the best view at shortstop. To me, I had the best angles, the best reads, better than I was at third. Now you, so that position, you, you find yourself more comfortable. Mm -hmm. Who were some of the guys that you, uh, besides me, that, uh, <laughs> that you admired when you were growing up? Well, you were a little bit before my time, but I always you heard just of, call me. You just of, call me old. Heard of you doing backflips yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff. But Jeter, I watched, um, you know, uh, A-Rod for a little while. But to me, uh, I was just focused on playing myself and, and learning it, being out there on my own and, and trying to figure out the position. But shortstop has always been one of those things that when I was a kid, I wanted to be a big league shortstop. And, and it's so... So, so much of an honor to play shortstop for the Cardinals here, especially after not being able to play it my whole mm -hmm. life. So mm -hmm. I really, really enjoy every day being able to come out here and run out there on that field and, and stand there in the middle. Well, it's fun watching you, and you, you've learned well. Thanks, Ozzy. I look forward to learning some more from you over time. All right. Thank you to Ozzy, Matt, and Paul. Really, really uh, enjoyed that. I, I just thought it was tremendous, and I hope that you did too. I could listen to those guys talk baseball for hours. We are back next week, which is September the 11th. And for that, we take a little bit more of a serious tone to the podcast, but one that I think um, 
you will probably learn a lot in. I did as we talked to Brian Barto, the head PR man for the St. Louis Cardinals. He's going to just discuss what that day was like, September 11, 2001, a day that changed all of our lives. And because it's a Tuesday, which 9-11 itself was on a Tuesday, and because September 11th is the day that our podcast actually falls on, I wanted to take this opportunity just to get another look at that day in American history. What was it like in pro baseball? And I found out that it was a little eerie, just like it was for the rest of us, that it was bizarre. There was no normal rhythm like there normally is with games canceled. In fact, the Cardinals got stranded in Milwaukee because the FAA had shut down all air traffic. So they had to bus back to St. Louis. Brian has some really interesting stories about Mark McGuire, Tony La Russa, and the 01 Cardinals kind of perusing across the Midwest, just trying to wind their way back down to St. Louis after those games were cut short in Milwaukee. And then also an anecdote which just blew me away about how Jack Buck tested out that famous poem that he read at Bush Stadium the day that games did resume. You do not want to miss this episode. Again, a little bit more serious than normal, but boy, really worthwhile and some stories that you probably haven't heard anywhere else and that you'll be glad you dial back in for. So I hope to have you with us again on Tuesday, September the 11th. As always, we are out in time for the drive home, and you can listen, cardinals.com, slash podcast, iTunes, and proud to say now, anywhere that you get your podcast, uh, the folks at... Major League Baseball Advanced Media doing a great job. We now are basically are virtually anywhere that you can listen to podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, any of those places. We're out there. You can listen to the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Just search Cardinals Insider. And, of course, love to get your emails. You can send us some feedback to the show here. It is The best place to do it is by email. That's podcast with an S at cardinals.com. Hey, as always, it's been a pleasure. Really enjoy hanging out with you. Thanks to Matt Carpenter, Paul DeYoung, and Ozzie Smith. For all three of those gentlemen, my name is Brett McMillan. Catch you next time on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.